When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show! As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we're back today. We're going to go over the Week 13 recap, the Waiver Wire Report, all in one episode today, as we're coming back off of the holiday. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Very excited because now that Week 13 is in the books, it means we are finally at the start of the Fantasy Playoffs. Week 14 is here. The race for the championship is on. Everything that we have built for, everything you've been listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show for, everything that we have been working for the MD Nation to achieve has finally arrived. And we could not be more excited to go through it with you guys today. Now, a couple of things before we get into the show, and we have a lot to get into as always. But because we are doing a full recap episode, we're going to be a little bit abbreviated to strictly fantasy players that you're going to care about. Normally do a little more in-depth analysis into the game itself, maybe some of the guys that you wouldn't normally talk about, but a couple of reasons. One, we don't want the episode to go for two hours, especially now that we are on Sportscaster. Should have mentioned that. We are on Sportscaster right now, for those of you listening on the audio version, even though we are at the mobile studios today. And I'm going to get into why I want to do a Sportscaster video today in a second. But we are here, so we want to make sure the show doesn't go too long. Also, because you are in the playoffs, you're going to have your core team. Only the best of the best players are going to be involved from here on out. So not everyone is going to be fantasy relevant. This is the time of year where sleepers are not really as big of a factor as they are throughout the season. Only handcuffs. And we'll talk about that in the waiver wire report. Now, the reason why I want to do this on Sportscast, the reason why we are live tonight, why I want to do a special edition while simulcasting, while simulcastly recording the podcast for the audio version that will be available early Tuesday morning. We are recording this Monday night while the Monday night game is going on. So we're not actually going to recap the Monday night game. But if there's anything important happens injury-wise, I will tweet it out at MDSFFShow on fa- on Twitter. Excuse me. 
You can always contact me on Facebook at MDFF Show or follow along on the website www.mdffshow.com. You can email me there or check out the rankings, which we did have for you guys early last week and plan on doing again this week as well. But the reason why we're doing this is because, yes, you did not see it incorrectly. We did not get around to doing the second part of the preview for week 13 where we normally do the late afternoon games through the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. We didn't get a chance to get to that. And that was just because the holiday went crazy and that was that was my fault. I take the blame for that one. That was an oversight on my part. I thought for sure I would get an hour on Friday to be able to come in and be able to still do the show and that wound up not being the case. So lesson learned next year from here on out when we have a holiday coming up, we will from now on do the full preview show that Wednesday night for Thanksgiving for the entire weekend to make sure everything is covered. So that's my bad. I ask for your forgiveness, MD Nation. I am here now. I am here to help you out with playoffs. And I was there for you guys on social media. Everyone who asked me a question, I made sure I got back to you with a full informative answer to help you out that way. But it was just crazy. We had the family Thanksgiving on Thursday. We had lots of shopping to do with the wife, a lot of errands to run because we had to get the house ready for our Friendsgiving on Saturday. For those of you who do Friendsgiving as well, we hosted that for our friends. It was a great, wonderful time. But as a result, I did not get a hour to myself to be able to do that podcast. So that's why that was unable to happen. But it will not happen again, I promise you, especially this critical part of the year. So we're back and we're going to do something a little bit differently in the show. We're going to start off with the waiver wire report and then we're going to get into recapping the games right away because this will be a little bit longer of an episode than normal. So here's the waiver wire report. There's only six names on the list. And the reason for that is for a few reasons. One is playoff time. So you're not looking at every Joe Schmo under the sun who might have value for you weeks from now. You're looking at who can help you this week or maybe who can help you in week 15. You're not going to be really looking for anything that's going to help you much further down the road than that. That includes week 16. Maybe you have an eye on the horizon, but you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. You want to make sure you're doing what you need to do, what is best for you in order to win this upcoming week, in order to make to the next round of the playoffs. That is priority number one. So it's a short list for that reason. The other reason is because the other half of this list that I don't have the names for should really be your handcuffs. Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Reggie Bonifon, you name it. These are handcuffs. Whoever else you can think of out there, all of these guys need to be owned. Make sure you own your guys. The last thing you want to do is limp your way into a playoff victory. Have someone like a Dalvin Cook go down. A Chris Carson, make sure you own Rashad Penny, go down. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting there, the odd man out, and you can't get to the waiver wire before the rest of the teams in the playoffs, and you automatically lose that advantage as a result. So that's the first names on these lists. Handcuff yourself. You should have been doing that weeks leading into it, but if you haven't had a chance to do it, and these guys are still available, which they are widely available, all the names I listed there are way less than 50% uh, owned, so they are available to you in most of your leagues, go ahead, check them out, handcuff yourself. The other thing you want to look to do is find defenses that are available on your waiver wires. Now, I actually looked, I plan on putting some defenses on there, but none of the defenses that I would recommend to stream from week-to-week basis are actually less than 50% owned on average throughout all the platforms. It's a case-by-case basis. Look at your defenses. Look who has great matchups for the next three weeks. If you've been streaming defenses all week, look to go that way. Same thing goes for kicker, but kicker, I don't look ahead on kicker because kicker is too, is too hit or miss. If you don't have one of the top guys, it's a week-to-week basis type of thing. 
You don't even know who's going to be on the team. If you, and, you know, if you go by the New England Patriots, these guys are going to, they just got rid of Forbath. They're going to be on their fifth kicker of the year. So don't get too far ahead of yourself on kicker. Look for a good one to stream. If you need help with that, that's what our preview shows on Thursday and Friday will be about and there to help you. That's where contacting me on social media or through email through the website, www.mdffshow.com will come in handy and I will be there for you guys there too. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of this waiver wire report, which is Ryan Tannehill at 39%. If you've been streaming quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill is very, very much a viable streaming quarterback. He has great matchups for the next three weeks. And while, yes, I know he's Ryan Tannehill, while the second you trust him, he has a habit of disappointing you all over the place. The way he's running that offense, the way he is running to give you a safe floor, the way he's been playing as of late gives you the capability to be able to at least have Ryan Tannehill on your team as an option to stream over the next three weeks. He is somebody who has an opportunity because of the matchups to give you a playoff winning roster at the quarterback position. Plain and simple. I can't believe I'm saying it. I can't believe I'm willing to trust him, but I am. At 39% owned on average, meaning he's widely available to those leagues out there, a lot of playoff teams have been streaming quarterback all season long. This is somebody who those teams should be going after and at least have him as an option with the matchups that he has over the next three weeks. Next guy I want to talk about is Mike Kosicki. 19% owned on average. This Guy has been great for the past couple of weeks, and the most important thing is that for the last month, or a little over a month now, he's been averaging six to seven targets every single week. Every single week. He is tight end relevant. He is that guy who right now has the capability to possibly get you a touchdown. And that's all you're looking for at a position. You're looking for who's getting targets, who has a chance to score. Right now, Mike Isecki answers both, and they have a great I mean a great matchup the rest of the way for the playoffs. So Mike Gesicki is on my waiver report, on my tight end list, going to be a guy who's going to be hovering around that top 12 area at the position for the next three weeks. 19% owned. You got to go and pick him up. Next guy I want to talk about, I can't believe I'm going to trust him, but Zach Paschal, Chester Rogers is done. We don't know when T.Y. Hilton's going to come back. We don't know if T.Y. Hilton's going to come back. This season, period, with the way his calf injury has been, he tried to get out there, he was ruled out right away, and all of a sudden, T.Y. Hilton finds himself possibly not even playing for the rest of the regular season unless the Colts somehow make the playoffs. With that in mind, and the injuries that they've had all over the place, Zach Pascal becomes the number one wide receiver. This is a team that has some good matchups coming up. And while Zach Pascal, since the Houston Texans game, the first Houston Texan game, has burned you in the past thus far, he is somebody that you have to look at. He is somebody, as the number one wide receiver, is going to probably get you somewhere between five to eight targets. And with great matchups the rest of the way, he could be a wide receiver three. Now, if you don't have to trust it, don't. But he's on there because he has to be. He's on there because he's only 17% owned on average. He's on there because he's on an offense that's going to have to be able to score, especially when we talk about their recap and we get into how much of a mess their running game is right now. That's what we're going to have to look at. That's what we're talking about. So Zach Pascal is somebody who's on my list and should be picked up and owned. Next guy I want to talk about, Gardner Minshew. 
Talk about the streaming quarterbacks available. This is another team that has good matchups down the stretch. And now we have the Minshew Magic coming back. He is named the starting quarterback. And I do not believe that they will go back to Nick Foles at all this season. As you would expect, he's only 8% owned on average because he had been benched for the past couple of weeks. Gardner Minshew is going to get the opportunity to close out this season and close it out strong in a good situation over the next three weeks. He is somebody who is streaming worthy. He is somebody who could very well carry your quarterback position if you've been streaming at the position all season long and be able to give you 18 to 20 points week in and week out. That's what he's going to be able to do for you. Gardner Minshew is somebody you can pick up for your playoff run. Thank you, Kitty Cat in Heels, for that tip. Next up, Darwin Thompson, 5% owned. And all of a sudden, now we find ourselves in a situation we don't know if Damian Williams is going to be back next week. We don't think that Darrell Williams will be back at all this season. At the very least, he had a hamstring injury, which is what they're calling it today. And I would venture to guess that it was a pretty serious one at that. So all of a sudden, Darwin Thompson finds himself in a position where he could be the passing down back. It will still be LaShawn McCoy's backfield to start as far as the carries go, as far as the rushes go. Because remember, Darwin Thompson played a lot in the second half because they were blowing them out. LaShawn McCoy will be the main runner. Darwin Thompson, though, will be the main pass catcher if Darrell and Damian Williams both miss. Now, we don't know about Damian Williams yet. The reports coming out over the weekend was that they did feel that he had a chance to come out and play this week. So we will see if that winds up being the case. If that is the case, Damian Williams is the only running back of the Chiefs that I will play in the playoffs. The only one. But if not, McCoy, you can play him as a runner. You can play Darwin Thompson in PPR leagues. He's only 5% owned. He's worth the pickup. The last name I want to talk about for this waiver wire report is Alan Lazard. Only 5% owned. We're going to get into him a little bit when we recap that game later on in this show. Had a good showing against the Giants. Is the number two wide receiver. And talk about an offense that, one, got right this past week. And two, has a great schedule for the rest of the way for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. Where a number two wide receiver who's actually trusted by Aaron Rodgers, which Alan Lazard is, will be fantasy relevant over the next few weeks. Without a doubt. So Alan Lazard is somebody you could pick up. You can play him as a wide receiver four. That is somebody you're going to be able to utilize moving forward. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to recap all the games from week 13 starting now. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. For the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions, we had yet another situation that proves that you can only trust Mitchell Trubisky when he has super plus matchup for Mitchell Trubisky. So what do we have as a result? Well, Allen Robinson was able to do Allen Robinson type things in this one. 
He did nine catches. I'm sorry, eight catches for 86 yards, a touchdown on 12 targets against Darius Slay. That is very good moving forward because Allen Robinson is somebody who needs to be a higher end wide receiver three. He needs to be somebody that you can go to in plus match situations. And this shows that he could. And this was this wasn't necessarily the pluses matchup of all for Allen Robinson in this game, playing against Darius Slay here. So it was good to see him be able to do his thing. It was good to see him be involved in the offense. Now, yes, technically, Anthony Miller had one extra target than he did. He had, you know, 13 targets to his 12. He had nine catches for 140 yards. I don't care. Like I said before, we're talking about fantasy-relevant players. Anthony Miller is not somebody you're going to be starting in the playoffs at all at any point. Allen Robinson might be. Allen Robinson still has touchdown potential, especially when they have plus matchups coming up. And even though Mitch Trubisky had a great game, and this is now the second game in a row where he has had a pretty good fantasy game now, you're still not going to trust Mitchell Trubisky with a 10-foot pole. Not at all. Now, who else in the Bears might you go to? David Montgomery. 16 carries, 75 yards, two catches for 12 yards, and a touchdown on two targets in this one. Surprisingly enough, wasn't that far behind Tariq Cohen in the passing game. Only two less targets. Tariq Cohen, four catches, 26 yards. You can't trust Tariq Cohen in PPR leagues, period. Can't do it. He's not utilized enough at all on a week-to-week basis. David Montgomery is somebody who I told you before. Look, I know he had a disappointing month, month, the last past month of November. But this is somebody who gets 18 to 20 touches on a regular when they are doing what they are supposed to be doing. And now with Akeem Kicks coming back, that Chicago defense, you may see them take a next step up in the last month here of the season. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. All right, welcome back. Now, for those of you listening on the audio version, what just happened is I had to reboot to Sportscaster. We had a technical difficulty. This is why I don't normally do videos when on the mobile studios, aka on the road for my job. But we are here. I'm still trying to get through this video. I want to do this for you guys since I was not here on Friday for that preview edition. So before we got cut off there, first of all, if you're just tuning in the Sportscaster now, Video one, which we're going to have to do this in two videos now. Video one it has the full waiver wire report on it because we did the waiver wire report in the first segment of today's podcast. So when I tweet this out, this will have two parts to it. You'll be able to check them both out. But if you're listening right now, make sure after we're done with this video, you go back, listen to the week 13 recap and waiver wire report, and that will have the full waiver wire segment on it. On the audio version, we will continue as we were. So we were talking about before we got cut off, before we were rudely interrupted by technical difficulties that I have no control over at the moment, and hopefully we'll be able to be okay for the rest of the way. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Chicago, and we're talking about Detroit. And we're talking about the Detroit side of the ball. And David Blau here went for 280 yards, two touchdowns, an interception this game. Now, fantasy purposes-wise, we don't care what David Blau does, right? We don't care about that part of it. What we do care about is that we want him to make sure he can play competently enough with no Jeff Driscoll for the rest of the season and most likely no Matthew Stafford coming back, most likely. They're still holding out hope for him, but most likely. Can he be competent enough to keep Kenny Galladay 
who had been a wide receiver two all season long. To keep Marvin Jones, who had been a wide receiver three all season long, fantasy relevant. That's what you're asking yourself for. That's what you want to know. And the fact of the matter is, that question was answered as yes. This was a good Chicago defense. Now, Detroit doesn't have the greatest schedule the rest of the way, but they have a pretty good one. Got Minnesota next week. That's not the easiest defense in the world for a young quarterback who doesn't start much in the NFL. But because he was able to hold his own against Chicago, because the Minnesota secondary is more vulnerable, he should be able to hold his own against them as well. Making Kenny Galladay a low-end wide receiver too the rest of the way. Making Marvin Jones a wide receiver three the rest of the way. I mean, Galladay in this one, you don't love the target output because Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson, before he got hurt, were getting targeted like crazy. That's where he was looking to go, was the middle of the field. Amendola had eight targets. TJ Hawkinson had 11 targets before he got hurt in this game. 11. Six catches, 18 yards. And he's done, by the way. That report came out earlier today. He is on the IR. He's out for the rest of the season. I tweeted it out earlier. In case you're wondering if Jesse James suddenly becomes a tight end relevant player, if you listen to the first part of this show and you listen to the fact that I did not have him on my waiver wire report, should answer that question for you, which is unequivocally, no. He's not. He's nothing more than a touchdown hopeful, and that's about it. And even then, I'm not going to trust it. But it was interesting to see that David Blau really was looking for the middle of the field. So it makes you a little nervous when you look at Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who had six and five targets respectively, compared to the guys that were operating in that area of the field. But Kenny Galladay had a big game. He went deep to him. Four catches, 158 yards, a touchdown. Obviously half of it coming on one catch for 75 yards. But that's what he is. He's a big play guy. Marvin Jones found the end zone. Three catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. That has been his pretty much his stat line for the entire month of November. He's not giving you a ton of yards, but he's finding the end zone. Basically, David Blau showed you that in the plus matchups that they still have the rest of the way, these guys can continue to be fantasy relevant, continue to be what it was that you counted on them to be in the first place. And that's all really that matters at the end of the day. That's all you're really looking for at the end of the day. So keeping that in mind, that gives you great confidence moving forward. Now, Bo Scarborough, second week in a row, definitely the featured workhorse back. They have definitely have shown they have no issues giving him the rock 20 times in the game, and it's not close who they're working in. It's the second week in a row where Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick were really non-factors as far as carrying the ball. Now, J.D. McKissick targeted three times. He is the pass catcher. They do not look to go to Bar Scarborough at all when throwing the football. Plain and simple. Ty Johnson actually had three targets in this game too. But neither one of them are involved enough in the passing game to be PPR threats, which is why we don't talk about him in that respect. The key is Bo Scarball, right? He's going to be touchdown dependent to give you an RB2 week, but he can give you a high floor flex. This is the second week in Rose had 80 yards. Now, he doesn't have a great schedule the rest of the way. Minnesota's not a team you want to run on. Denver's not a team you want to run on. I can't remember off the top of my head who they play week 16, but they have three games in a row where there's not, they're not going to be playing the best of run defenses. However, with him getting the ball as much as he is, he should definitely be owned, number one. It's not somebody you want somebody else to have value with in, in your playoff matchups. But number two, he could very well have a safe floor flex play for you the rest of the way. I expect the Detroit Lions offense to be able to throw the ball in all three of their matchups coming up, which means they should be able to move the ball, which will give them opportunities to score, even if he doesn't have the greatest rushing output at the end of the day. Look for where I'm going to have him in ranking-wise, but he's somebody who should at least be owned. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, so moving on to the next game here. We got the Buffalo Bills. We got the Dallas Cowboys. One of the uglier games we saw this week on the Cowboys side of the ball. A lot of controversy obviously stirred up. Should Jason Garrett continue coaching the team? Yada, yada, yada. We're not here for that. And I'm going to have a general football rant about something a little bit later on in the show, but it's not going to be here. Here we're just focusing fantasy relevance-wise. Josh Allen, 231 yards, touchdown, fine passing, and that's what he is. He's, a, he's fine passing the ball. But he again ran for 43 yards and a touchdown in this game. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you care about. Can he continue to give you that floor? And the answer has been yes. And it hasn't really mattered how bad the matchup is on the other side for the most part. He's continued to give you a floor. He continues to be somebody who is just inside that QB12 on a week-in, week-out basis. And that you can trust as a result. Cole Beasley. I've said it time and time again this season. I am not I am not going to go down in the fantasy playoffs playing Cole Beasley. I'm not. And I'm still not. Here's what I'll acknowledge. He's done it too many games now this season where he can't just be written off for being Cole Beasley. It's been against tough matchups. When they've played against teams, they've been able to take out John Brown. This is the first game that John Brown has really been fantasy irrelevant. And... Cole Beasley was able to hold his own six catches, 110 yards, touchdown, seven targets. If you want to own Cole Beasley, fine. Because he has had a productive string of games. It's been a very productive month of November for him especially. I am not going to tell you to play him. Because the second you trust him is the second he gives you two for 15. Because we know he has a low floor. We know he's not a guy who's going to continue to get you touchdowns and continue to get you 100 yards from receiving. And going into fantasy playoffs, you want guys in that position on a week-in, week-out basis especially. Cole Beasley's not that guy. But I will acknowledge he's done it too many times to just ignore him. He's not somebody who just be left out there in waiver wires. He's not somebody who just be flat-out ignored. And when they have matchups where you know John Brown has a possibility of getting taken away because they have the number one corner, Cole Beasley is somebody who might be able to be a sleeper play for you that week. But again, like I kicked off the show, you're in the playoffs. How often are you going to want to actually depend on a sleeper type of player? My guess is going to be next to none. Devin Singletary, 14 carries, 63 yards, three catches for 38 yards, and a touchdown. This is what I'm talking about with Devin Singletary. Frank Gore was still involved. He still had his 10 carries. He actually had a rushing touchdown in this game. Good for him. You're not going to play Frank Gore. What matters is Devin Singletary is able to be involved in the receiving game along with Frank Gore still getting his in the rushing game. That's what's important here. 
Because that's what has to happen to continue for him to have the floor that you need him to have to continue to play him as a low-end RB2, high-end flex play, which you can do. The Bills are consistently running enough. That defense is proven now against a good offense because this is what Dallas is. Dallas is a good offense. Whether they always play like it or not is besides the point. They have good talent. And that, and they were able to still stick with their game plan. They were able to still play their game. They were able to still run the football quite effectively. Do you... Does Devin Singletary getting 14 carries make you feel all warm inside? No. No, it doesn't. But this is where him being involved in the passing game, three catches, 38 yards, touchdown on four targets, comes into play. Because he's going to be the guy who's involved in that aspect of the game. Josh Allen is going to continue to check down the ball. That'll give Singletary his floor each and every week. And he has the possibility to score each and every week. Makes him a low-end RB2, a high-end flex play the rest of the way. You can trust him. John Brown will have better days ahead. He's been too consistent, too good, and that's one of the reasons why I don't trust Cole Beasley going forward because I do think there's going to be an emphasis on getting John Brown back the ball next week after having a down week this week. So that's why I still hold on to that. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, Dak Prescott was fine. 355 yards, two touchdowns, just one pick. You're not going to complain about that. Threw the ball 49 times in a game that was never really out of hand. They were never getting blown out in this game. In fact, they led the game 7-0 in the first quarter. Yeah, they were down 23-7 to at one point in this game. And they had to throw a ball a lot in the fourth quarter. They abandoned the run in the second quarter when they were still up and still tied. That's when they abandoned the run. So that's where I'm looking at this as a standpoint of, I think the Cowboys just want to throw the ball. Now, they have to have a course correction here. Zeke Elliott was good. He was. He was good in this game. It shows you Buffalo can still be run on. He was good. 12 carries. That's the That was the problem. He had 71 yards rushing. Now, he still winds up giving you a good fantasy day because he gave you seven catches for 66 yards on 10 targets. And that's well. That's all well and good. And that's why Zeke Elliott's an RB1 because one way or another, he'll find a way to get the job done for you more times than not. That's why he's up there. But this insaneness of... Ezekiel Elliott being effective, and all of a sudden, in a game in which he hadn't been efficient up for a lot of November, in a game in which he was finally being efficient and finally being explosive, especially early on, you completely abandoned the run when you were never getting blown out. There was a dysfunction with the play calling, but here's what you can trust. You can trust Dak Prescott more times than not. It's going to be a top 10 QB. You know Ezekiel Elliott's going to be an RB1. You know Amari Cooper, more times than not, is going to be a wide receiver one. And I told you guys going into this game, a lot of people were disappointed in Amari Cooper. I was saying to you, he's as healthy as he's ever been because he was off the waiver, off the injury report altogether ahead of that matchup. He was not always going to see Javius White. I don't know why there seems to be this perception out there that Javius White follows the number one receiver on the other team. He doesn't. He doesn't follow him. He plays the one side. Remember, this is Sean McDermott. This is the Carolina defense. He does not have his corners shadow. They play to one side of the field. So I said, guess what? Amari Cooper is going to see Tredavious White at least 50% of the time. And I was like, if Dallas is smart, they'll line Michael Gallup up on his side most of the time and play Amari Cooper on the opposite side and avoid it all together. So while Amari Cooper didn't have a huge game in this one, eight catches, 85 yards, 11 targets on a top, on a top 10 defense, top five defense, pretty good day at the end of the day and it shows you why he's still number wide receiver one he shows you why the big three of Dallas can be trusted now Michael Gallup three catches 63 yards on six targets 
better days are ahead. Michael Gallup is somebody you can continue to play as a wide receiver three throughout your playoffs. And this game does not dissuade me from that. I I know some people are reading into it too much. I don't care that Dak threw the ball 49 times and Michael Gallup only saw six targets. It goes back to my previous point. He was matchup on Tredavious White more than Amari Cooper. And they had games against the Eagles coming up. They got better matchups along the way ahead of them where both receivers are going to be able to do their thing. So Michael Gallup continues to be a fantasy-relevant guy. We're going to move on to the Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. And in this matchup, Saints didn't have to do too much. Like, this game... The final score wound up being closer, a lot closer than what the actual game was played out to be. It was 26 to 18, but the Saints really looked like they never were not in control. And it showed you with the way they called plays. Drew Brees only threw the ball 30 times in this game. 18 of 30, 184 yards, a touchdown. Wasn't great. Definitely a disappointment because you were playing Drew Brees at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Or I'm sorry, on the road in Atlanta against the Atlanta Falcons, but still in the dome. And expecting a big turnout after the Falcons lead up a dud against Tampa Bay the week before. And maybe it's just the Falcons know how to play defense against the Saints, and that's that the, maybe they don't know how to play against anybody else. Better days are ahead for Drew Brees. I'm still going to play him as a QB1 for the fantasy playoffs, as the Saints have to make their stride. Now, he's not a lock and loaded fantasy one, he's not a, a lock and loaded guy that I have to start. I would slide him into the lower QB1 territory borderline streaming option availability based on matchup. But he's still somebody who's going to be inside of my top 10 most likely as we go into week 14. The biggest thing was that Michael Thomas was kind of held in check. This is the first time all season long Michael Thomas has been held in check. Six catches, 48 yards on eight targets. Expect that to be corrected next week. Expect that to be corrected next week. That's a big reason why I say Drew Brees is still going to be a top 10 quarterback the rest of the way. Because Michael Thomas is not going to have that bad of a game. He's going to be better than what we saw this past week against the Atlanta Falcons. Sure, it was disappointing. But most likely, you're in the playoffs if you had Michael Thomas this year. Because he's been that good throughout the season. Alvin Kamara, 8 targets. Not a lot of production. 4 catches, 23 yards. I get it. He still had 8 targets. That's all you care about. He's going to get his 20 touches come hell or high water. I know in this game, technically he only got 15, but he had 20 looks. He had 11 carries, 61 yards on the ground. Still ran efficiently. Would like to see him actually get the ball a little bit more. If you're not going to hand it over to Latavius Murray, which they did not do in this game, four carries for two yards, so much for being a flex-worthy play, he's somebody who, going into your fantasy playoffs, can only be considered as a handcuff to Alan Kamara. That's it. That's all he can be. I would like to see Alvin Kamara get more than 12 carries a game. Especially as they go to make their run here. Look, at 10-2, and they're surprisingly still in a dead heap because you got San Francisco who you're trying to get home field advantage from. It's going to be a dead heap. They do play San Francisco. I believe it might be this week. But they do play San Francisco coming up. I want to see Alvin Kamara get the ball more. Especially on the ground. But... Regardless, he's still an RB1 for you, so you're not going to worry about it. He's still getting those targets. More my overall point. So there's not a lot to take out of the Saints. Jared Cook, three catches, 85 yards, six targets. He's somebody who's been getting utilized more and more as the season has worn on. More and more has Drew Brees' return to the lineup. And somebody who will be teetering in that top 12 area of the tight ends as we move forward. Somebody who should be on the roster, on your lookout, if he's not already there for you. On the flip side of the ball... For the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan was good. 312 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Fantasy, fantasy wise, you're going to take that. You're going to take that performance. You are. 
He continues to be somebody based just on volume, sheer volume. He's a QB1 and will continue to be for the rest of the season. Will continue to be throughout your playoffs. They're not shutting down Matt Ryan. They do expect Julio Jones to come back this upcoming week. You play Matt Ryan. It may not look pretty, but you're still going to get the production that you need at the end of the day to have a QB1 performance. Devontae Freeman comes back in this game. And you know what? For all intents and purposes, I would say had a somewhat successful game. 17 carries, 51 yards. Obviously not great efficiency there, but you didn't expect great efficiency against the New Orleans Saints. He had four catches, 13 yards on five targets. That was the big thing for me. The biggest crime that they have done to Devontae Freeman all season long is not allow him to get involved in the passing game. That is the number one issue they've had all season. So the fact that he had five targets in this game is a good sign down the road. Look, Austin Hooper, he might be back this week. They're actually talking about him trending in the right direction. But the biggest thing for them is that Chris Lindstrom, their starting rookie guard who was hurt 10 weeks ago, is finally looking like he might come back. So that offensive line might improve. Devontae Freeman is going to be a flex running back based on the matchup and based on what you have on your roster for your playoffs. But he is somebody who I'm not just bailing on. You may not feel good about it, and I don't blame you. But because they've proven that, that the, back, the backups there are terrible. And in case you're wondering, Brian Hill had four carries. Keith Smith had two carries. That was it. It was Devontae Freeman's backfield. So for somebody who's going to be the workhorse, for somebody who has an offense that's getting healthier and actually better down the stretch here, he's going to be at least a flex play. Like I said, matchup-based, based on what you have in your roster, but he is going to be flex-worthy. Calvin Ridley, solid game. Eight catches, 91 yards, 10 targets. Even with Julio Jones coming back, Calvin Ridley can still be played as a wide receiver three. Now, the real question is going to be, does Austin Hooper come back too? I would say week 14, even if Austin Hooper's back in the lineup, because it would be his first week back, I'm still going to lean towards Calvin Ridley being a wide receiver three. I'm still going to lean towards him getting worked in, getting more of the targets over Austin Hooper. Because you just don't know what Austin Hooper's going to be right away in that first game back. Now, for you, for those of you who are asking who have Austin Hooper, if he's activated this week and you have him, I think you have to play him. Because unless unless you have a Mark Andrews, a, a Travis Kelsey, a Zach Ertz, even Zach Ertz a little bit questionable right now, a Dallas Goddard, some, somebody along those lines, one of those top five guys, I don't see how you can't play Austin Hooper, who was the number one tight end before he was injured. I don't see how you can't. So... We'll get into that in the preview shows, but just in case you guys who are wondering that point as well. Russell Gage, another very good game. Nine targets, five catches, 52 yards, a touchdown. He's the one who gets affected by Austin Hooper, though. If Austin Hooper comes back, you have to kind of push Russell Gage to the outside. I would say he becomes borderline droppable if you need to drop him to get a handcuff, get another defense that you know you're going to be able to utilize down the stretch here. He, you can go, you're going to, he's somebody you're going to be able to go ahead and drop if Austin Hooper is activated. If he's not, I still keep him. I still play him as a wide receiver four, but he will be borderline droppable. Remember, this is the playoff time. I don't need you to have value for me down the road, maybe if that or this. You got, it's got to be clear cut to the point. You have a role. You have a volume share of the offense that we're going to be able to work on. Otherwise, you're irrelevant to me. Next game up, 49ers, Baltimore Ravens. This game, from a non-fantasy standpoint, was everything we hoped it would be. 
20 to 17, came down to the last game, came down to the field goal, absolutely everything you would hope for. Fantasy wise, the people who you wanted to be fantasy relevant pretty much were on the Ravens side of the ball. Lamar Jackson ran over 100 yards, ran for a touchdown. So it didn't matter that he only threw for one touchdown and only threw for 105 yards. Because he still gave he gave you RB1 numbers while tacking on a few passing yards. That's the beauty of him. This is San Francisco 49ers. This is, they played the Patriots, they played the 49ers. The two best defenses in the NFL, he still did great. That will continue. And they don't play anybody else the rest of the way, as you would imagine, that are nearly as good as either one of them. As either one. So now all of a sudden you have a situation where and I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting fantasy alerts. I remember we're recording this as as the Monday night game is going and we have alerts that Stefan Diggs was injured but did return back in the game. And I'm trying to see it here. Dalvin Cook is questionable to return if I can actually pull this up. Shoulder injury for him, questionable return. So I just want to put that out there while we're recording as we get that through because that's big news. Like I said, we weren't going to recap this game unless we have some serious injuries to talk about. Earlier, Chris Carson went out for a concussion. He came back in. I uh, was cleared to go. So hopefully all is good with Dalvin Cook. But th- this is why you have to own Alexander Madison. This is why you have to handcuff yourself for situations like this. What, I've been praising it all year long, and yet no one listens. I don't know. Whatever. Go get him now. You Hopefully you still can. Hopefully it's not serious for Dalvin Cook. We'll see what happens. Anyway. Back to what I was saying. Lamar Jackson was great. And he's going to be great the rest of the way. Mark Ingram is somebody who's going to be a kind of a boomer bust. I don't want to say a boomer bust RB2 because he's an RB2 almost every single week because of the just solid production that he gives you. 15 carries, 59 yards in this one. Only two catch for three yards. The difference was he didn't score. He's going to be an RB2 or he can be an RB1. And that all depends on whether he gives you a touchdown or not. All depends. So that's what we're looking for there, but he's somebody to continue to play. Mark Andrews, I told you guys, continue to play him. I know there was some video out there, some people talking about whether Mark Andrews should be a starter still. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, being his number one pass catcher on number one offense in the NFL. Uh, three catches, 50 yards, a touchdown, six targets against one of the top defenses in the NFL. I think Mark Andrews is pretty safe to play week in and week out. Just saying. The guy who wasn't around Marquise Brown, but he wasn't a guy I recommend to play anyway. He is somebody who's always been a matchup-based type of play, a boomer-bust type of play. He's somebody who should definitely be rostered, and when they have plus matchups, he's still going to be the guy that if you feel like you need to have a pop, you're playing against a team who's really good in fantasy playoffs, maybe you're the underdog, maybe you have to take a home run threat in the right matchup, Marquise Brown is that guy. He should be rostered. On the 49ers side of the ball, Tevin Coleman. Ooh, not that we thought he was going to have a great game against the Baltimore Ravens, but when you saw Raheem Mostert go for 19, 146 yards and a touchdown, while Tevin Coleman went five carries for six yards, and being that he's been pretty much next to terrible the past three weeks, last week only saved his fantasy day because of a touchdown, you, you, left, you left yourself questioning, what do you do? What do you do? Is he somebody you can even trust as an RB2? Is he somebody that you can even play at all? Now, he has to be rostered because here's the thing. Matt Breed is supposed to be back next week. 
So if Matt Breida's back this week, I think regardless of what you've seen out of production, regardless of what you think talent-wise, it'll bounce back. My, well, I should say this. Without having reports to the practice report yet, because it's it's Monday night, I would say it probably bounces back to what the depth chart was before, which is Matt Breida, with Tevin Coleman at the top, Matt Breida number two, Raheem Moser picking up the slack from there. That was the most likely scenario that I would see. Now, what we have, though, now is what do you do with Tevin Coleman? You can't trust him. And it hasn't been because of injury concerns. It hasn't been because of fumble concerns. It's been because of inefficiency. Something that can be corrected, but it makes the entire situation murky. And really, to me, if Matt Breida returns next week, he's the only running back of the 49ers I could trust. And not because I believe he'll get the most work, but because... He's the only one who I think I know whose role he's going to have. He'll be the second running back to someone, have an opportunity to get 12 touches, maybe more, and have an opportunity to break it. Outside of that, I don't know what to expect. So all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you cannot trust the 49ers running back, which is a hell of a thing to not be able to be able to trust. We'll see what happens here. I'm still getting more alerts on the Dalvin Cook situation. I went directly to the locker room. And he was hurt on the fumble. Good news is Diggs returned right away, as we said. But Dalvin Cook, we're going to have to see exactly what's going on with that shoulder injury. All right, moving on. Manuel Sanders. Four catches, 41 yards on six targets in this game. Look, he's been better and better. He's been getting healthier and healthier. He is the number one receiver for this 49ers team. Uh, George Kittle went back to kind of being irrelevant in this one. We know it's going to be a tough match against the Ravens against tight ends. Two catches, 17 yards on four targets. Better days are ahead for him. The big thing is that Debo Samuel. Now, a lot of people are going to say, hey, Debo Samuel, he's valuable no matter what now. Hold on. He had four targets. He had two catches for 41 yards on a touchdown. Everyone just settle down. Just just settle down, okay? This is not somebody who you can, you can just play out there. This is not somebody to get overly excited about. I'm trying to look for the words there, sorry. This is somebody who's in a situation where he's very much game flow dependent. Manuel Sanders is getting healthier. George Kittle wasn't that involved in this game. I still believe the 49ers can only afford to be fantasy relevant. The two pass catchers, you can only trust Kittle. You can always trust. You can only trust Sanders. Samuel is not the guy to go to. Yes, he's had a nice little stretch, as mostly do with Sanders being banged up, and it does with anything else. He is not somebody who's going to be playing in my fantasy playoffs. Moving along, now we got to speed this thing up. Moving along, Green Bay Packers, New York Giants here. Aaron Rodgers comes back to life. He's always good to come back to life against the New York Giants. 243 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions in this game. He had, I've talked about him a lot. I said to you guys last week, look, I know he had a couple bad weeks in a row, but he's playing against the Giants, and he has a good playoff schedule the rest of the way. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a QB1 for the fantasy playoffs. He absolutely is. He should be started every single week. Look for this offense in general to make a bounce back. I know the running game was disappointing here. Aaron Jones was terrible. 11 carries, 18 yards. Jamal Williams was way better. 10 carries, 41 yards in this game. Much more efficient. 
was more involved in the passing game again. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Four catches, 26 yards. Shouldn't say he was more involved because Aaron Jones also had four catches but only 13 yards and had six targets compared to Jamal Williams' four. But Aaron Jones was inefficient in every facet of this game and has been disappointing for a while. And he's somebody who's become a guy who maybe is more of an RB3 boomer bust type of play. We know he has the capability to score a bunch of touchdowns in the game. And it's going to make him very, very tempting to play. And you're probably going to have to at least play him as a flex. But I don't think you can consider him an RB2. Two things have happened. One, the return of Devontae Adams has cut the targets for the running backs. Two, Jamal Williams has been too involved. Now, they came out after this game and said they realized they need to get Aaron Jones back involved again. So maybe there will be an emphasis for that to happen against the Washington Redskins next week. Which would be a great matchup to do something like that. Which is why Aaron Jones is going to have to be played as a flex play. But... I don't know if you can automatically consider him an RB2. But he probably will still be in your lineups. You still can trust him. Jamal Williams, in PPR leagues especially, you can play him as a flex. Standard leagues, not so much. He's still not involved enough as a running game. He's still not explosive enough as a runner. But he has a touchdown capability. So even in standard leagues, he can be a flex play. But in PPR leagues especially, he has a consistent involvement in the passing game week in and week out. Week in and week out. Which is why you can go to him. Continue to play him as a flex. Devontae Adams, again, six catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns, 10 targets. 10 targets. That's the biggest thing you take out of him from this game. You know he's always going to be targeted quite heavily. We know he's always going to be that guy. The question is, who outside of him? Talked about Alan Lazar in the waiver wire report. He had three catches, 103 yards, a touchdown, on three targets. So the three targets where I'm going to tell you guys settle a little bit. Don't just don't just play Alan Lazard blindly. But here's what I am going to say. He's a guy who can hit the big play. He is the second wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers now moving forward as they have plus matchups. And in games in which Devontae Adams is going to be taken away a little bit more because of the number one corner, Alan Lazard should have a role. Alan Lazard is somebody who can hit a home run for you if you need to take that shot. That's why he should be rostered. I don't know if I'm going to play him against the Redskins. Yes, it's a plus matchup, but it's also a game where they're not necessarily going to need a guy like Alan Lazard either. And that's the point here. Three targets isn't enough to just blindly play a guy. But that's why I had him on my waiver list to be rostered. Because he can do a lot with that in a plus matchup. Like he did here. New York Giants side of the ball. Saquon Barkley was at least relevant again. 19 carries, 83 yards, 3 catches, 32 yards. He at least was fantasy relevant again. 
And you have to continue playing Saquon Barkley in your lineups, even though he's been disappointing, because he's Saquon Barkley, because he's still the best player on that offense. So that goes without saying. But as the receivers go, I know Caden Smith, tight end, six catches, 70 yards, eight targets. I, I don't care. He's not going to be a guy who's he wasn't on my river report. He's not going to be a guy on my radar. But Darius Slayton, in the absence of Golden Tate, in the absence of Evan Ingram, got nine targets and led the team in targets. And that's something that's been the case. I kept talking about it all week long. If Golden Tate and Evan Ingram continue to miss, if just one of those guys continues to miss, Darius Slayton's going to see a healthy amount of targets have a floor. Now, it wasn't a great game, but six catches from 44 yards gives you a solid floor to be able to sink your teeth into. I'm actually more worried about Sterling Shepard. Three catches, 40 yards, a touchdown on seven targets. Yes, he had the better fantasy day. But when Golden Tate comes back, he's going to go down about five targets, maybe six. Is that all production you can get? Is that what you're looking at? I think Darius Slayton might be the most valuable wide receiver for the Giants moving forward. But only if Ingram misses. Like I said before, if Ingram comes back, which could be this week, we don't know. But if he comes back, Darius Slayton's going to be the odd man out. So just kind of keep that in mind. There might not be a pass catcher on the Giants that you can trust. Because it's going to be one of the, it's going to be Shepard or it's going to be Tate. One of them is going to be a wide receiver three. Knowing which one might be next to impossible. Might be next to impossible. And Evan Ingram misses, Darius Slayton at least gives me that big potential, that big play potential down the road. He might be the Giants receiver that I actually want to play in the fantasy playoffs more so than the other two because of what I'm looking for. Next game, we're going to talk about Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers in this matchup. And honestly, my big takeaway in this game is that Jarvis Landry is the number one wide receiver on this team. He is, plain and simple. There's no way around it. It's unfortunate what he has done to your fantasy rosters, but that is the case. That is the situation. So what does that mean moving forward? I think Odell Beckham somebody you, you, unless you feel confident in the matchup, you don't have to start him. Three catches, 29 yards, and six targets. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Jarvis Landry, six catches, 76 yards on 11 targets in this game. He has a floor that you can sink your teeth into, that you can go to every single week. Plain and simple. Running the ball, Nick Chubb was great. 16 carries, 58 yards, tacked on a catch for 21 yards. He was fine against the Steelers. Kareem Hunt, though, was actually pretty good. 7 carries, 46 yards. He has been getting worked in more and more in the rushing game. And he even tacked on 5 catches for 19 yards and a touchdown for you on 5 targets. He's become a flex play. He is a flex play for you in the fantasy playoffs. He is somebody who's, if he's going to continue to get worked more and more in the rushing game and be the bona fide passing down back for this team who needs to lean on him in the check down because Baker Mayfield's been terrible this season, he's going to, he's, especially in PPR leagues, he's going to be a flex play for you without a doubt. Without a doubt. Next game I want to talk about. All right, I'm sorry. Next thing I want to talk about. On the other side of the ball with the Steelers. Devlin Hodges comes in. He was fine. James Washington had a big game. He did. Four catches, 111 yards, a touchdown. But again, it happened on four targets. Deontay Johnson, who only had one catch for 14 yards, had five targets in this game. I don't think you can continue to... 
You can't trust James Watson. He's not somebody I'm going into the fantasy playoffs with as a guy that I'm going to go out and ahead and get. He's not. He's not that guy for me. For, uh, I mean, a couple simple reasons, right? Number one, being that you're not targeted enough. Number two, this is the first two games all season long that he's actually even done anything fantasy relevant. Number three, you're not going to trust a consistent play week in and week out out of a Devlin Hodges. You're not. James Washington's not a fantasy relevant player in the fantasy playoffs. He's not going to start on your team. He's not. Plain and simple. Doesn't matter the matchup. If you do, you are playing him on a hope and a prayer. And that's not something you want to do in the playoffs. Benny Snell was good in this game. 16 carries, 63 yards, a touchdown. He has been now the lead rusher for the past two weeks. We'll see that continues to be the case. They're not shutting down James Conner. We don't know if he'll be back this week, but the fact that they're not trying to shut him down does make you feel like they are going to try to make an emphasis to get him back. And being that they're now 7-5 and five and they beat the Cleveland Browns, they're still in the playoff hunt. So there might be a chance for that, and we might see Juju Smith-Schuster back, which is the other reason why I wouldn't trust James Washington after this week as well. Next game up, the Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. So we're going to start to fly through these a little bit more here to kind of pick up the pace. I talked about Ryan Tannehill. He is a streaming quarterback the rest of the way. Didn't have a great one in this one, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Just finds a way to give you a safe floor. Didn't have as many rushing yards in this one because Derrick Henry went bananas. He had that fumble early on, but it didn't matter. 26 carries, 149 yards, a touchdown. He's doing at the end of this season what he did the end of last year, where all of a sudden he just becomes unstoppable as the season turns. He's basically an RB1 at this point. He is. With the way he's been running, with the way they've been utilizing him, with the way this offense has been performing as of late, with the matchups that they have the rest of the way, he's an RB1 no matter what the scoring format is for the rest of the playoffs. I continue to stress this fact. You cannot trust a pass catcher on the Tennessee Titans, period. Not Janu Smith, not A.J. Brown, not Corey Davis. No one. And no one was that involved in this game, but no one can be trusted. On the Colts side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett just had a hard time. He had no one to throw the ball to. We talked about the fact that Zach Pascal here, seven catches, 109 yards on 10 targets, and we talked about the fact that he's going to be a volume-based play now with no Chester Rogers and most likely no T.Y. Hilton. Jack Doyle was my top streaming tight end of the week. Six catches, 73 yards, a touchdown on 11 targets. He will continue to be one of my top streaming tight ends, although after this week, I have to think he probably falls out of the streaming territory because he should be mostly owned. He's going to be a top 10 tight end for me. With no Eric Ebron, no other pass catchers, the volume there for him and Pascal are going to be as such that they're going to have to be leaned on. Now, let's talk about what's the most important thing about this game, what people need to know, and that's the whole running back situation. There was no injury. There was no fumble. We don't know anything about what happened as to why Jonathan Williams was benched. We don't. There wasn't even a comment after the game to let us know what was going on, to let us give us a choice for to determine why they went a different direction. We have no clue. Here's what we know. He wasn't as efficient as Jordan Wilkins as we went through the first half. He wasn't. Maybe that's why. Maybe they went with the hot hand. They were in a tough divisional game. They had It's a must-win situation. 
So maybe they felt like they just couldn't wait around to see if Jonathan Williams could get going as the game went on. It's just hard to believe a guy who was not just productive the last two weeks, but last week almost had 30 touches. For him to come back in this week to only give him eight carries and decide that because he wasn't being inefficient against a good defense on those first eight carries to just totally go away from him altogether in the second half, he didn't play. He didn't play a snap in the second half. We don't know what happened here. As a result, there's no Colts running back that you can trust heading into week 14. I'm still rostering Jonathan Williams in case I win and in case this whole situation gets sorted out next week. Jordan Wilkins, as I said before, is not a good football player. So if it winds up being Jordan Wilkins, who is the main rusher now, I'm not going to be picking him up. I'm not going to be playing him on my fantasy team. But Jonathan Williams, I still could be. If they go back to Jonathan Williams next week, he still could be somebody who's fantasy relevant for you and still be that potential league winner that I thought he was going to possibly be. Because the one thing he was getting to do that Marlon Mack was not was actually being involved to some degree in the passing game. If that suddenly went away here, where he can't do that at all, I'm a little bit concerned about what that might mean. We have to see exactly what happens here. But, yeah, you can't you can't play them next week. Not that you were going to want to against Tampa Bay, but you can't play them next week. Hopefully this mess gets sorted out. Hopefully around the playoffs for Week 15 when it does, but you have to stay away from it for now. Next game up, Washington Redskins, Carolina Panthers. And this one... Redskins pull off another crazy victory. Now, in this one, I want to offer caution. Everyone wants to ride high on Darius Geis. And I'm going to tell you right now, outside of playing him as a home run flex type of play, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, I don't think you should be playing Darius Geis. Yes, he had 10 carries for 129 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, He showed you the big play capabilities that he has. He had 10 carries. Adrian Peterson had 13. So for as good a game as he has, he still had three less carries. And Adrian Peterson had a really good game too. He had 99 yards and a touchdown on his 13 carries. He's not going away. If Darius Geis gets 10 carries again next week, it's more likely that he goes 10 carries for 30 to 40 yards than he is for 100 yards and a touch. I'm not playing Darius Geis on my fantasy playoff team. Now, did he show you that he has the capability to hit a home run? Yes, he did. The volume is not there. Adrian Peterson's not going away. And Chris Thompson, who wasn't that involved in this game, has a very good opportunity to be more involved as we move forward, especially in the passing game. You can't trust a guy who's one-third of a rushing game. You can't. You can't trust him. So keep that in mind as you're moving forward. Keep that in mind before you get overly excited about Darius Geis. Keep that in mind. Adrian Peterson's going nowhere. And I wouldn't trust the Redskins running back. Now Terry McLaurin is the other part of this we got to talk about. Two catches, eight yards, four targets. Just when I thought he was somebody who was starting to come back to being fantasy relevant. Just when I thought he could be a wide receiver three. They go and do this. I mean, it was just, it was so disappointing. It really was because he had three catches for 69 yards the week before and he was one penalty away from having over a 100-yard game. Last week, he was five catches for 75 yards and then this week, it was the best matchup of all. Two catches, eight yards. Now, 
a lot of that had to do with the fact that their rushing game was so effective. And that's more what I'm chalking it up to than anything else. It's more why I'm going back to Darius, the whole thing with Darius, guys. Terry McLaurin, you can't trust anybody on the Redskins right now. I'm still going to own Terry McLaurin. If he plays better next week and I'm still in the playoffs week 15, then I'll look at it again. Because a lot of this had to do with just how this game went than they did with anything else. But Terry McLaurin is somebody who's supposed to just be rostered, but you can't start him next week. Carolina Panthers side of the ball. Kyle Allen's terrible. I mean, he's garbage. He really is. But he can still keep fantasy relevant wide receiver. DJ Moore, six catches, 75 yards, scores again, and again has 12 targets. Curtis Samuel, who I had written off, and pretty much for the most part, and still am going to write off. Four catches, 65 yards, a touchdown, and seven targets in this game after having a terrible week the last two weeks in a row. But what remains true about Curtis Samuel remains true. He does not have a good fantasy game unless he scores. And you can't trust him to score on a consistent basis. Curtis Samuel is not somebody who's going to be playing on your fantasy lineups for the playoffs. Not going to happen. Can't trust it. The only person you can trust in this offense right now is DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. That's it. And Christian McCaffrey, even though he had another kind of rough game on the ground here, 14 carries, 44 yards, did have seven catches for 58 yards. Still finds you a way to give you that high floor, and I believe will find you a way to give you that top two running back performance the rest of the way in the playoffs. Next game, Eagles and the Dolphins. One of the big surprises of the week. I mean, I don't know how to look. So this is the game that I was talking about. I was going to have a general NFL tangent to go off on. And just real quickly, because we still have a lot to get to. But real quickly, because I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm a 49ers fan. If you've been listening to the show a long time, you know that. But the one thing about the Philadelphia Eagles is that I do live in the Philadelphia area. So I get to hear a lot of the Eagle fans' opinions a lot of the time. And they always want to blame Doug Peterson. They always want to blame Carson Wentz. There's only one person who should be blamed I mean, yes, there's blame to go around for everybody. Not every, everyone has not performed up to expectations. That is true. But there's one guy I'm going to believe about, above all. That's Jim Schwartz. And he's the one guy who, for some reason, seems to get a pass all the time with Eagle fans. I don't know why that's the case, but he does. He's the guy you should be blaming the most part for the season. How long does it have to be before you're like, you know what? You got to go. Maybe you don't have a ton of talent in the secondary. Maybe you've busted out on guys. Or maybe Jim Schwartz has done nothing to develop anybody ever. Maybe because your defense gave up 37 points to the Miami Dolphins. That that should be what's focused on. Jim Schwartz is the guy who's got to go. Just want to put that out there. Like I said, living in the Philadelphia area, get to hear this crap all the time. And I just think it's kind of erroneous when it's always being laid at Wentz's and Doug Peterson's feet. When the real problem has been that defense. But anyway, Carson Wentz, fantasy-wise, told you guys he's going to be top-streaming quarterback. Was. 310 yards, 3 touchdowns. Miami Dolphins will always make you fantasy relevant. Miles Sanders was great. 17 carries, 83 yards. Again, is the lead back. Jay Ajayi is not a factor. 2 carries, 9 yards in this game. As long as Jordan Howard continues to miss, Miles Sanders will continue to be a workhorse back, continue to be a low-end RB2, high-end flex play. He also had five catches for 22 yards and a touchdown in this game as well. Alshon Jeffrey was great. Nine catches, 137 yards, a touchdown. Part of that's going to the passing game, but he knew it was a great matchup. Carson Wentz needs his target back. 
Now, games, that was probably his best game of the year, but Alshon Jeffrey is a wide receiver three. And if Zach Ertz is going to continue to be banged up, who only had three catch for 24 yards because of the hamstring injury, he's going to lean on Alshon Jeffrey that much more. Yes, Dallas Goddard becomes a tight end fantasy relevant play as he has six catches, 66 yards on seven targets. But the biggest thing is that with no Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey will get the extra target share. He has 16 targets in this game. 16 targets. That's not going to go away if Ertz is not 100%. Now, Ertz reportedly was able to get through this game without having a setback. So as long as that is the case, he may be healthier and healthier. So hopefully, I'm still waiting for more updates here. Hopefully, Alshon Jeffrey will be good for you the rest of the way because you need him to be a wide receiver three. Hopefully, Zach Ertz will be back for you because you need that tight end option. With the Miami Dolphins here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 365 yards and three touchdowns. No, before you ask me the question, no, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a stream-worthy quarterback. No, he's not. So before you ask me that, I'm just telling you right now, he's not. So don't, don't, even, don't even go there. He's just as likely to give you a dud next week. The guy who's fantasy relevant and the only guy who's fantasy relevant every single week is Devontae Parker. 10 targets, 7 catches, 159 yards, 2 touchdowns. Absolutely phenomenal in this game. He has a nice schedule the rest of the way. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And he's a, he's a wide receiver, too. Period. Devontae Parker is a wide receiver, too. He is a bona fide starter in your lineup every single week in the fantasy playoffs. He's getting you 8 to 10 targets every single week. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He has a quarterback who will throw the ball up to him and let him go get it in 50-50 situations. Devontae Parker is a wide receiver, too, and an unquestioned starter in your fantasy lineups right now. Mike Gesicki, 5 catches, 79 yards, a touchdown, 7 targets. That's why he was on my waiver wire report. It's the second week in a row that he's had seven targets, second week in a row where he's been productive. He is a tight end guy that you can go to because he's the other pass catcher that Ryan Fitzpatrick has who he's willing to throw the ball up to right now. Now, he has a low floor. He does. But the tight end position where you're just looking for somebody with a pulse, he's got one right now. He's got a hot hand. He's got a good schedule coming up. Next game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew's back. Oh, did that last long? I remember everyone who two weeks ago gave this show and myself so much flack for saying that Gardner Minshew should not be benched, for saying that Nick Foles is not the answer, for Nick Foles is not a good quarterback. So much flack. Two and a half games later, where are you at? Where are you at? Gardner Minshew's back. He's already been named the starter for next week. Now, what does this do for the team? Fantasy-wise, it really doesn't change a whole hell of a lot. You go back to, you know what to expect. DJ Chark can be a low-end wide receiver, too. D.D. Westbrook can be a low-end wide receiver, three. Leonard Fournette is going to get his volume share, just like he did in this game. None of that really changes. But what does change is that they do get bumped up a little bit 
because the offense as a whole has a better chance to perform, a better chance to be more competent, a better chance to put up more points. That's what you have in front of you right now. That's what you're looking at with Gardner Minshew. And he himself is a fantasy-relevant streaming quarterback. That's why I put him in the waiver wire report earlier in the show. On the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of the ball, crumple this game up, throw it out. Crumple this game up and throw it. Just like I told you to crumple it up and throw it out with the Rams last week, crumple this game up and throw it out. It was a bad game out of Jameis Winston, the first bad game he's had in a while. From a fantasy perspective, actually from an NFL perspective, he actually had a very good game. But from a fantasy perspective, it was the first bad game he's had in a while. He's still going to be a QB1 that you pretty much ride and die with who you know is going to be a bit boomer bust, but has potential to give you those top-end QB1 performances. So you're still going to play him. You're still going to play Mike Evans. You're still going to play Chris Godwin, who didn't have great games in this one. Mike Evans, though, did have 11 targets, so you like to see that. Guys like O.J. Howard, who hasn't been involved at all this season. Guys like Rashad Perryman, who hasn't been involved at all this season. We're suddenly the top productive guys in the receiving game. Both have five catches, Perryman 87 yards, O.J. Howard 61. That's how you know it was a weird game. That's how you know the crumpled up and throw it away. Not going to worry about the rest. Running back situation, Bruce Arians comes out and says Ronald Jones was benched because he missed a blocking assignment. All this does is go to show you that you cannot trust a Tampa Bay running back in the fantasy playoffs. You can't. Can't trust it. And even though Peyton Barber had two touchdowns in this game, even though he's had touchdowns over the past few weeks, it is just as likely that Ronald Jones, even after getting benched, winds up being the lead running back for them next week, which is why you can't trust it. And I'm not going to. Next game, the Jets and the Cincinnati Bengals, the other upset of the week. I don't know how much can you call an upset when you, the team you're playing against is four and seven going into it, but Andy Dalton comes back, had a solid game, 243 yards, a touchdown. He is somebody in certain matchups the rest of the way because of the volume that he could see at 37 pass attempts in this one. He is somebody who I think can be a fantasy streaming quarterback in a certain weeks. Not this week coming up, but in certain weeks over the next three weeks. Not somebody you go and pick up, which is why I wasn't on the waiver report, but somebody to keep an eye on. They even talked about A.J. Green. They didn't say he was going to play this week, but they did talk about him possibly trending in the right direction all of a sudden. They win a game, Andy Dalton comes back. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. With Andy Dalton coming back, I kind of wondered if maybe A.J. Green would try to play before the season's out. Now, if I'm A.J. Green, to me, there's still no point with five games left with this team when you're when you know you only have one contract left in your career. But to me, there's still no point. But it did raise the possibility of that being the case. It still makes A.J. Green somebody who's not droppable, which may be annoying, may wind up not coming to fruition, but as of right now is not droppable. Just, just in case he does come back. But what it does do, as long as A.J. Green is out, Alden Tate, four catches, 66 yards, seven targets, wide receiver four. Tyler Boyd, five catches, 59 yards, scores for the second week in a row, has 10 targets. He's a wide receiver through with Andy Dalton back there. It raises the ceiling of all the pass catchers. Joe Mixon had... A terrible game on the ground, but does score a touchdown. 19 carries, 44 yards, a touchdown. The biggest thing to take out of that is that he still had the touches in this game. He was still the workhorse back. That was the biggest problem when Andy Dalton was a quarterback. For some reason, they had Joe Mixon and Gino Vernon Bernard on a somewhat of a split. Which should never, 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 ever, ever, ever have, have been the case. Should have never been the case. I don't think it's going to continue to be the case because now we saw 
This situation, he was the workhorse. He got all the work, including the passing game. Four catches, 26 yards on four targets. Joe Mixon can be a high-end RB3 for the rest of the way. He is a flex play. I know it's not what you drafted him to be, but because of the touches he's been getting as of late, because this offense will now be able to play more competently and be in more better scoring situations, he is a flex play. On the Jets' side of the ball, you have to continue to play Le'Veon Bell, even though it has not been pretty. It has been downright awful. I mean, he himself hasn't been awful. He has still been an RB2. It's been awful to see him struggle the way that he has because his offense is so bad. Even though he's a phenomenal player and getting the touches that you want him to get, because he's been getting the volume, it's what's kept him fantasy relevant. Ryan Griffin didn't have a great game here, but five catches, 30 yards, seven targets. That's the key. He's still getting the volume that you're looking for out of the tight end position. So even in a game where he doesn't wind up having a great fantasy stat line, he's still somebody who, to me, is fantasy-worthy moving forward. He's still that involved. Robbie Anderson had a great game. I know what a lot of people are going to say. Hey, two weeks in a row... Hey, towards the end of the season, we saw him and Sam Darnold get on the same page. Jameson Crowder is still the wide receiver I would go to. Jameson Crowder still had nine targets in this game. Now, Anderson had 10, but Jameson Crowder still had nine targets in this game. They just couldn't hook up. Two catches, eight yards. I expect that to correct itself. Jameson Crowder is still the only wide receiver on the Jets team I'm willing to trust. Because, like I said, even in a game where he didn't, he, you know, had a terrible performance, he's still at nine targets. He's still involved. He's still week to week. You know he's going to get his targets. I still don't trust Robbie Anderson. Still not going to play him on my fantasy playoff team. And Crowder's nothing more than a wide receiver for in PPR leagues, a flex play in PPR leagues, but he's the only just wide receiver I'm willing to trust on a week-in, week-out basis. Next game. Rams, Cardinals. I told you guys to throw that game away last week against the Ravens. I told you guys to do it. I told you guys Jared Goff was going to be a streaming option this week. 424 yards, two touchdowns. There are certain defenses in the NFL that can help you get right. And the Cardinals are one of them. And have been all season long. And there was no different here. Robert Woods, 13 catches for 172 yards on 19 targets. By far the number one receiver. Now we know with this Rams team, it doesn't mean much. We know it's just as likely Cooper Cup is the number one guy next week. We know Brandon Cooks could get more involved. Robert Woods is one of the more consistent guys so far this season for this offense, and you continue to play him as a high-end wide receiver three, but it was just good to see him get involved in this one. Tyler Higby, this was a bad call by me. A lot of people ask me, should they play Tyler Higby? My advice was no. My advice is that he had been a guy who's been nothing more than a blocking tight end all season long. I know Arizona's terrible against the tight ends, but this was a game where I thought they would make an emphasis to get three receivers who are finally healthy all back involved. They didn't get Brandon Cooks involved. And as a result, targets opened up. Tyler Higby was great. And it also shows you that if you have a number one starting tight end against the Arizona Cardinals, they're, they're going to have an opportunity to put up a hell of a fantasy day. That, that's what it proved. Seven catches, 170 yards, a touchdown, eight targets. By far the best game of Tyler Higby's career. Titans have just, no matter who they are, have a chance to have a big game against the Arizona Cardinals. That's, that's just what it boils down to. I doubt he has another game like that again. I doubt he's fantasy relevant again the rest of the season. And this is a bad call by me here, but it just shows you how bad the Cardinals are against the tight end position. Cooper Cup, six catches, 65 yards, a touchdown, six targets. Good to see him get back on track. I know he only had six targets in this game. I expect it to go up after this week. Brandon Cooks, two targets, two catches, 24 yards. Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver. I don't know how you play him. 
I don't. They're going to play Seattle next week. A little bit more susceptible to outside wide receivers, but I don't know how you play Brandon Cooks right now. He's been out for a long time. Even when he's been in, he's been disappointing all season long when he has played. It's hard. To, it's still a offense that's going to look to throw the ball. He's still a good wide receiver. It's hard to just outright bench him, but I don't know how you play him. And if you've made the fantasy playoffs, you've had to do it without him anyway. So you may just go ahead and have to continue to do it without him. Todd Gurley here, 19 carries, 95 yards, a touchdown. What you like to see here is that in games in which the Rams have been able to not get blown out in, since they've been back from the bye, Todd Gurley has been getting plus 20 touches. That's what you do like to see. He was very good in this game too. He had a touchdown in this one. Had a good performance fantasy-wise. Still not involved in the passing game. One target, one catch, 20 yards. He still has to get more involved in the passing game. It's it's mind-boggling to me, but that if you take away the touchdown, the fact that he's not involved in the passing game, he has such a low floor as a result. Hopefully that gets corrected, but man, oh man. That's what we're looking at right now. But you have to continue to play him as a high-end RB2 who has a touchdown capability. On the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball, Kyler Murray wasn't great. He did get you the rushing touchdown in this game, but Kyler Murray was somebody I feel like a lot of people tried to get away from. Once you kind of realized that he was going to have the hamstring injury, he's going to have a hard time running the football. I think that was the big thing for him here. So we'll see what happens moving forward, but Kyler Murray is somebody who I think you're going to be able to stream for the fantasy playoffs because of his rushing capabilities, because his offense is going to be behind more times than not. And he has been using his legs more and more over the past second half of the season. Kenyon Drake's the lead running back. So this, this is the game we were waiting for. Coming out of the bye, Chase Edmonds is healthy. All three running backs are there. What happens? Kenyon Drake was the lead guy. Now, he wasn't great. 13 carries, 31 yards, two catches, 20 yards. But he was the lead guy. Chase Edmonds didn't play at all. David Johnson was clearly the backup. Now, maybe Chase Edmonds gets more involved next week. Maybe he wasn't quite back yet. But the idea was that he was supposed to be healthy coming back after the bye week. That was the idea. That didn't wind up taking fruition. Kenny Drake is still nothing more than a matchup-dependent flex play in your fantasy playoffs. He has to be rostered. But outside of the 49ers, Kenny Drake hasn't had a great showing. But he does clearly seem to be the lead back now for this team. So when they have plus matchups the next three weeks, you can play them as a flex play. Larry Fitzgerald, six catches, 56 yards, seven targets. You can't trust them. Can't trust them in fantasy playoffs. And you also can't trust Christian Kirk. I know Christian Kirk has been coming on strong. I know he's been the number one wide receiver. He did get seven targets in this one. He tied with Larry Fitzgerald for the top notch. But three catches, 23 yards. You can't trust this team right now. They're not playing good football. And I'm not going to go down my fantasy playoff because I played Christian Kirk. I'm not. Next game up, Oakland Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs. Quickly through this one, Josh Jacobs was great. 17 carries, 104 yards. He continues to be a workhorse back. He continues to be an RB2. Nothing's changed there. Derek Carr is still not somebody you can stream. Darren Waller's back. And I told you guys going into this matchup, being that they've been pretty good against perimeter wide receivers, so that's why I didn't think Tyrell Williams would have a good game here, and he had a terrible game, one catch, nine yards on four targets. And because Hunter Renfro is gone for the rest of the season... 
Darren Waller is going to be back to being his old targeted self that we saw earlier on in the season. That's what he's done. Nine targets in this game, seven catches, 100 yards. Darren Waller goes back to being a tight end one that you can trust and play week in and week out because Renfro is gone. The middle of the field is back to being his. And as a result, you can trust Darren Waller. And that wraps it up for the Raiders. On the Chiefs side of the ball, Mahomes still been kind of disappointing. You know, only five catches, 75 yards in this game. Um, five, five catches, 75 yards, excuse me. Uh, 179 yards, touchdown in this game. That was it. 15 of 29. Not great in this one. But, he's still going to be a QB1. Doesn't change anything. Travis Kelsey. Five catches, 90 yards, nine targets. He's turning it on as of late, getting back to what you drafted him to be at the right time. Tyreek Hill didn't have a great one in this one. I mean, really, all in all, the Chiefs put up 40 points in the weirdest way. Their defense scored in this game, but they put up 40 points in the weirdest way. LaShawn McCoy, who had five carries, scored a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes ran in a touchdown. Darwin Thompson pretty much played the entire second half because they were up by so much, scored a touchdown. Guys that you would not expect to score are the ones that scored in this game. Darrell Williams, who got knocked out early in this game, scored the receiving touchdown. He's got touchdowns from people you wouldn't expect him to have. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, better days are ahead. Now, the one guy who I'm moving on from is Sammy Watkins. The one thing you were holding on to with Sammy Watkins leading up to the disappointing game that he had against the Chargers the Monday night before was that he was still getting, on average, 68 targets from Patrick Mahomes every single week. So he's still somebody, because of that, you knew had the potential to give you a big game. Now this is two weeks in a row where he's had less than, he has had three targets or less. In this game, he totally blanked you. He's droppable. You can move on. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Outside of that, I don't know how many Chiefs players I trust. There's going to be other guys who score, but can you trust it? Like I talked about in the waiver wire report, if Damian Williams doesn't play, LeSean McCoy can be expected to be the main runner. Darwin Thompson can be the main pass catcher because we don't expect Darrell Williams to be back. But if Damian Williams comes back, he's the only running back I'm trusting. And he would be an RB too because I think right now, if he were to come back, I think he's the only running back the Chiefs trust just because the way they've played. Next game here, the Chargers, Denver Broncos. This was a heartbreaker for the Chargers. The Chargers doing Charger things to lose this one. It was absolutely insane. But fantasy-wise, they had a bit of a bounce back here. Phil Rivers was actually solid in this game, but the most important thing is he kept guys fantasy-relevant, which he has not been able to do this season. Mike Williams, 5 catches, 117 yards on 7 targets. Keenan Allen, 6 catches, 68 yards, a touchdown on 6 targets. Now, Keenan Allen, you continue to play him as a wide receiver one, or, or really more accurately, he can be trusted as a, wide rec- a high-end wide receiver two. But... Mike Williams still has to be a low-end wide receiver three for me. He still hasn't scored. He still hasn't gotten in the end zone. And he still made another huge catch in this one that was really all just him making a great play on the ball. Phillip Rivers still didn't look great. He just didn't look as terrible as he did going into the bye. But nothing I can trust. So I'm playing Keenan Allen. I'll play Austin Eckler as long as Phillip Rivers is a starting quarterback. Melvin Gordon, I'll still play him as an RB2. 20 carries, 99 yards in this game. Eckler did great in the passing game. Four catches, 51 yards, a touchdown, which is all I really care about. Keep giving him five or six targets. He'll be a PPR flex play for you. 
I think the question is going to be, does Philip Rivers get benched? Now, because he did not play terrible in this game, I don't think he will. I think it will be Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I, I don't think it will be Tyrod Taylor this week. I think it will continue to be Philip Rivers. Now, they, they could use it as, well, we still lost. So we may go to Tyrod anyway. And I do think the coaching staff was looking for reasons to go to Tyrod. I really do. Uh but because Philip Rivers didn't play bad in this game, and it definitely wasn't because of him that they lost this game, I don't know if this is the game they use as to why they need to bench him. I don't. I think it would be better for the offense as a whole right now. It would be better for the running game. It would be better for Keenan Allen. It would be better for Mike Williams, especially if Tyrod Taylor were to play right now. Because I think I think Tyrod Taylor is the better quarterback at the moment. But that's not going to be the case. That's not what we're going to see. Not after this game. It wasn't, it wasn't bad enough on Rivers' part. On the Broncos side of the ball, we see Drew Lockett, his first start of the season. He was what we expected him to be. Showed flashes, but mostly terrible. The most important thing is that Cortland Sutton continues to be fantasy relevant no matter who's throwing him the ball. Five targets, four catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns. You just look right now. It's hard enough to play Cortland Sutton as a low-end wide receiver, too. He still has a low floor because he's still in a situation where his quarterback could wind up screwing him 100% completely over. But... So far, it has not mattered, and it hasn't really mattered with the matchup either. So Corlin Sutton has to be considered more of a low-end wide receiver, too, who just finds a way to produce week in and week out. No, if Fant got banged up in this game, we'll see what his status is moving forward. Philip Lindsay, 17 carries, only 58 yards. He continues to be nothing more than a flex play. He's getting the volume, which is giving him the floor to be fantasy relevant, and Royce Freeman has been an afterthought for whatever reason over the past few weeks. Clearly nothing more than a backup, than a handcuff. But Philip Lindsay still hasn't been able to produce like he did a season ago. Most of that has to do with the offensive line. But he has a floor. He can play him as a flex. But don't just temper your expectations if you have to use him. Last game that we're going to talk about, New England Patriots, Houston Texans in this matchup. Brady salvaged his day. Brady was awful in the first half of this game. Second half... Houston played a little more prevent defense. Things opened up. They went to a more quick passing game. They got in rhythm. Brady winds up giving you a good fantasy game, 326 yards and three touchdowns. But he really didn't actually play well in this game, throughout at least anyway. As a result, because they had to come back from behind, James White wound up playing a ton in the second half. So that's why he winds up getting the majority of the carries in this one. 14 carries, 79 yards, eight catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he was just phenomenal. But all that became because they were trailing by so much in the second half, and they just pretty much had to go two-minute drill, had to go shotgun pretty much the rest of the way. Sonny Michelle was actually on his way to having a decent game. He had 10 carries for 45 yards. He was running pretty well, but like I said, it was just game flow. Just game flow in this one. I keep waiting for them to get Sonny Michelle going. I keep waiting for them to turn to the Patriots of all where they start running the ball more when it gets cold. I don't know if that's going to happen. Why? Because while their defense has been very, very good, because their offense has been so bad, they're finding themselves in situations that they're having to come back late in these games. Now, and they have some matchups coming up where, you know, they're going to be able to just control the game with their defense. So I do expect in those games, Sonny Michelle will be okay. And they got a good schedule for the rest of the fantasy playoffs. But right now, James White, obviously PPR, I'm playing him no matter what. But Sony Michelle, only if I have to, am I playing him right now? Because you just don't know how these games are going to go. You just don't know how the game flow is going to go. The good news is that this is the third week in a row now where it has been the James White Sony Michelle show. 
So you can sink your teeth in the fact that they're not really trying to work in Rex Burkhead or Brandon Bolden and all these weird guys anymore. They seem to be moving past that point. So that can give you some confidence when looking at those guys. As far as receivers go, Julian Edelman, six catches, 106 yards, a touchdown, 12 targets. He's the only wide receiver the Patriots I care about. Nikhil Harry hasn't been worked in yet. Muhammad Sanu is an afterthought. And Muhammad Sanu is Muhammad Sanu. Like, he might have another big game here, but you're not going to trust him. You're not going to play him in your fantasy lineups. And Julian Edelman, look, six catches, 106 yards, touchdown, uh, whatever. Julian Edelman's a wide receiver too, period. And he's the only wide receiver you care about. As far as Texans side of the ball, it was nice to see them have a bounce-back performance. Deshaun Watson didn't actually go crazy in this game, but he played very well. Uh, 234 yards, three touchdowns, didn't give you anything on the ground, but played when it mattered most. Houston got the win, which is all they're looking for here. DeAndre Hopkins, five catches, 64 yards on eight targets. We knew this was a tough matchup for him. Better days are ahead. Better days are ahead for Watson. Will Fuller, one catch, eight yards. It was you know a play under review that he initially was called as a score. That one came back. He would have had a much better fantasy day. It wound up being the very next play to Kenny Stills. That same 35-yard touchdown. So Stills actually had a decent stat line at the end of the day. Look, Will Fuller is still your boomer bust, low-end, wide receiver three, matchup-based type of play. DeAndre Hopkins is still going to be wide receiver one. Duke Johnson was heavily involved in this game, but going into it, we knew this was going to be more of a Duke Johnson game because we knew he was going to probably have to be utilized more. The difference was that they utilized him more in the beginning of the game than the end of the game, which is, I would have had that flipped in my mind, but you can't trust Duke Johnson. And because of their schedule the rest of the way, you can't really trust Carlos Hyde. You have to roster Carlos Hyde, you're probably rostering Duke Johnson, but I'm not trusting either one of these guys in my fantasy lineups the rest of the way. That is going to wrap up the show. I know we went a little bit long today, but there was a lot to get to. We will be back on Thursday and Friday with the preview shows, I promise. Week 14, make sure you get in contact with me on Twitter at MDSFFshow. Make sure you get in contact with me on Facebook at MDFFshow. Make sure you're checking out the website and emailing me there, www.mdffshow.com. And also where you can get the rankings, they will be up by Thursday afternoon. Maybe a little bit earlier, we'll see, but definitely by Thursday afternoon. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. I will see you all on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 